good is Australia? This fucking language. Let there be a thousand blossoms bloom as far as I'm concerned. But I ain't spending any time on it. Don't stop wearing the Speedos. You're listening to Decode, the Batuta Advocates podcast series for those Australians who have tuned out or never tuned in to the dark arts of politics. It's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. Hello and welcome to Decode, the Batuta Advocates political podcast. My name is Wendell Hussey. We're coming back at you with another edition of News from the Trough. It has been a little while between drinks, but I am joined by my trusty uh, Trough friends, Trough man, Dior Dave and Trough woman, Leslie Burley. How are you two traveling? Dior Dave, how are you? I'm pretty good, especially after being labelled the Trough Man. That Trough is Man, Dior my Dave, favourite yeah. superhero. I'm good, feeling refreshed after a long weekend. Yep. Yeah, ready to jump in. Trough Lady, how are you? I'm good. You know, I feel like Trough Man, Trough Woman are like the new Iron Man, Iron Woman. So that's... Yeah, get them. Get them in the Marvel Universe. and That'd be a mad, <laughs> mad Avengers movie. If you're not familiar with the Trough Man, because some people aren't, Google it. It's really good. He's an incredible guy. He's an icon down in Sydney. That's where the Trough Man reference comes from. Mm. Now, we've got a few things to talk about. It hasn't been the biggest week in politics, but we're going to talk about what's happening with inflation and what the government's doing and not doing. Old mate Philip Lowe, what he's um, been chatting Mm. about, Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff as well. And we're just quickly going to start off with our clanger and our banger, where we'll probably have a Brief chat about what's happening in regards to the housing market. The quote is from Treasurer Jim Chalmers, who has said this about the Greens refusing to vote for his housing bill. He says, I say to the Greens, don't put the politics of product differentiation ahead of a policy outcome which would make a difference to the lives of the most vulnerable people in our country. Don't do in the Senate what you do in your electorates, which is to give speeches about social housing, but then oppose it when it really counts. Big Jim, not happy with the Greens. Clanger or banger, Leslie? Clanger. <laughs> yeah. I just, just by definition, for, for two reasons, it's a clanger. One is that he's literally saying to the Greens, don't do your job. Yeah. Which mm. is to have debates in the Senate. And the other thing he's saying is about delaying this fund, this housing building fund, because they're having this debate. But the fund doesn't kick off till 2024. So I'm like, they're not delaying anything. What are you talking about? Like he's framed it as if you're like making people homeless right now. We can (laughs) sign this bill and start spending money tomorrow. But the Labor Party have said they're not going to spend money until 2024. So just by definition, on a technicality, it is (laughs) hard clanger. Yeah, Yeah. I'm with you on that, Les. I don't really understand what Dr. Chalmers uh, actually wants <laughs> out of the Greens party because is he just kind of expecting them to be essentially another arm of the Labor Party where they're like, well, you know, the Greens are left wing, the Labor Party is kind of left wing, so we assume they'll just vote along with all our mm. bills and all our legislation and not, as you said, not debate it like politicians do in the Senate. Yeah, as you mentioned, it's their job to go along and argue for these things and argue for what they see as better. And look, I don't want to sound like I'm simping to the Greens here, but 
as has been raised, it's a $10 billion fund, which they're going to invest in the stock market, which is not really the job of the government to be fucking playing the stock market. But anyway, then they might spend $500 million a year on housing. It's not guaranteed. They can spend up to $500 million a year if they do well on the stock market. doesn't add up to me. The Greens have come back. They've been like, okay, we don't need $5 billion a year investment. We can come back with $2.5 billion a year. They're trying to compromise on certain things. And the Labor Party's like, yeah, we're willing to negotiate. But it's like negotiating with your friend who's like, I want to go to this place. And you're like, hmm, like, well, actually, that doesn't work for everybody else. It's like quite inconvenient. It's not a great location. What about here? And they're like, hmm, no, we want to go to our place. But we're willing to compromise. But it's like, no, no, we just want to go to this place. And that's all the Labor Party are settling for. So rich from Jim Chalmers to be like, oh, the Greens are getting in the way of an outcome. It's like, well, maybe come back with a slightly different variation to your policy that one of the now essentially close to major parties is asking for and compromise with them. Mm. Yeah, I feel like Jim Chalmers doesn't really recognize the position that his government's in, in that he almost seems from the way he speaks that he thinks his party is in full majority of both houses and Mm. will keep winning elections. It's like, no, Jim, Jimothy, (laughs) I think you need to get this support from the Greens and other parties to actually pass your legislation and bills. Otherwise, you're not going to get elected next time and can't just keep riding it out on the back of the Liberal Party being completely useless because yeah and everyone just being happy to go along with the line that like the greens get in the way of actual public policy because they just want perfection exactly yep letting the perfect be the enemy of the good yep. yeah the classic line a which, tired tired old line yeah well if the perfect is there why mm. not just do it ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go um, v jimothy so hard clanger all around, mm. uh, unanimous agreement there. Yeah, it's nice to have a quorum yeah. between the three of us. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It's nice to reach that. Now, our first um, segment, it's a big one. Lots of numbers, lots of complicated things to get our heads around. Les Burley, I believe you've been digging into basically what's happening with the inflation drama, what's happening with the economy, Philip Lowe, interest rates, all that sort of stuff mm, mm-hmm. that has been occupying the news cycle and has been leaving a lot of people... Scratching their heads. Take it away, Les. Yeah, let's just say I got a migraine so you don't have to because I've trawled (laughs) through all of it and I've tried to simplify it and make it (laughs) as interesting as possible. Look, I think we've briefly tried to explain what the heck inflation and interest rates are in the past, but I'm going to recap it because things are escalating. It's getting very, very dramatic. We're hearing about it a lot. And if you're confused about these concepts, that is okay. Um, And there's two reasons why you're confused. One is that it is a genuinely confusing mathematical economic concept. The other reason is that it actually doesn't always make sense by design. Like Mm. each country has different mechanisms that cause inflation, that manage interest rates. And it's not the kind of thing that has got a strict, you know, one plus one equals two formula. A lot of it relies on the general vibe of the economy and just decisions that some people are making. So it is genuinely not always logical and a bit cooked. So, yeah, And as much as they pretend like it is science and it's like science, it's science of a way but there's not a kind of a unanimous consensus on no. certain things or the way things should run or how things should be set up. And as you said, different countries do things differently, different economists have different theories. So, you know, where scientists will come together and be like, well, we've got a peer review thing where 99% of people say this vaccine works and is good for you, economists and the economy isn't quite like that. It's everyone has different ideas and then they fight about these ideas. 
and we get caught up in the skirmish, which is super fun. (laughs) So I'll jump into it. I'll explain the key things and explain why they're newsworthy at the moment. So inflation is a word that we've all been hearing about. In simple terms, according to the Reserve Bank of Australia, and they're the main characters in this whole episode, inflation is an increase in the price of goods and services. So basically, the Consumer Price Index, CPI, it measures the change in what your groceries and things like that actually cost for you as a consumer. And the Reserve Bank aims to keep this down to like 2 to 3% per year, per quarter, but it was actually 7% last March quarter. So things are increasing by minimum 7%. And that's median. So there are some things that have increased by way more than that. And the reason we have to get on top of this, right, is the premise is that wages go up, services go up, wages then go up to match the services going up, services then go up because wages go up. And it spirals Mm -hmm. and spirals to the point where you're taking your wheelbarrow to the bank to withdraw, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash to go to the grocery shopping, like the last days of you know, the Weimar Republic in Germany nearly a century ago. Yeah, and that's why, like, some countries have, <laughs> like, banknotes that look very, very different to ours because of, <laughs> yeah. they've gone through history lots and lots of zeros on them. They're yeah. ahead of yes. us yet. Yeah, and that's why your groceries are costing more. Well, kind of, asterisks. I'll come back to that. That's why Coles and Woolworths are claiming your groceries cost yeah. more. There's inflation and then there's interest, and they're actually two different things. And interest is the other thing we've been hearing about. They do speak to each other, but they're technically two separate mechanisms, two separate things that we measure in the economy. So interest is the cash rate. So Australia's official cash rate. And this is also not measured by the RBA, but actually decided by the RBA. So they manage this cash rate. And when our interest rates increase, our cash rates increase, things like mortgages rise, the banks increase loans for houses and cars and things like that. So the current cash rate is 4.1%, which may not mean a lot, but for comparison in March 2020, it was 0.1%. So it's gone up by four points. So that's why mortgages are increasing and therefore rent is increasing and all of those Things And this figure is actually decided, like I said, by the Reserve Bank of Australia and is announced by Philip Lowe, the governor. So he's the guy you've been seeing on the news every three months. He's the guy who said that if you're struggling, (laughs) get a housemate um, as if we're all living by ourselves. (laughs) Like, what the hell? Yeah, Um, this is the guy who lives in a five-bedroom, ritzy, eastern suburbs of Sydney house (laughs) that had a mortgage on it that was subsidised by the taxpayer and he earns a million dollars a year. But look, Mm. I believe he has. He's set up a heap of bunk beds in his place. He's got plenty of people moving in. You know, he's doing his best to just accommodate as many people as possible. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's been in the news raising interest rates, and um, every month he seems to be coming out. Mm. And every month he offers up another quite detached comment or two about why he's raising interest rates and what needs to happen. 
And you said there that the cash rate's up to 4.10%, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it means interest rates on that banks are charging for mortgages is up around 5.5%. Yeah. They're very quick to raise the um, interest rates on mortgages. Not as quick to raise them on savings accounts, mm. believe it or not, but no. on mortgages, they're very quick no. to raise them. And so someone with a $750,000 mortgage is basically paying nearly 1500 bucks more a month than yeah. they were 18 months ago. And of course, Philip Lowe famously said he wouldn't be raising interest rates for a couple of years. So a lot of people are trying to find a fuckload more money to pay their mortgage, which yeah. they're not happy about. But Philip says is necessary, right? Because if people are paying mortgages, then it's taking money out of the economy and it's slowing things down. And yeah, he's also I, pretty much every time he's done this announcement, he said, oh, you know, we're, we're tapering off, like this will be the last one or there'll be one or two more, but he's been yeah. saying that for a while. And so even economists, like quite a few, came out last week with the last and they were like, we're not sure what is happening. We're Not all economists, but we're not talking yeah. about just armchair economists. We're talking real qualified people on the news coming out and saying, we don't necessarily agree with this approach and we're very Mm. concerned with this approach. Yeah, it does seem like Philip Lowe, I mean, I don't want to judge him or I'm not here to yuck anyone's yum, but (laughs) it does seem like he might have a kink for just being hated by everyone (laughs) and for just saying and doing things that he knows will end up coming back to bite him. And I did see a good comment the other day where someone said that, you know, in the last two weeks we had an Australian essentially, allegedly, proven that he committed war crimes but Mm. is still somehow not the most hated person in Australia because of Philip Lowe. So he's doing a real good job if that's what he's into. Yeah. (laughs) The thing I'll say in defence of Philip Lowe, and I'm happy to talk heaps and heaps of shit about him, but the thing I will say in defence of him is that he is part of a board. So he's not the only person making the decision. He's Mm -hmm. just the guy who comes up and makes ill-advised comments about people fucking <laughs> saving money and how yeah, they can, yeah. you know, pinch pennies. There is a board that makes these decisions. And the other thing is that's actually the only tool that the RBA has to try and influence the economy, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's where, as you mentioned, there's a lot of economists are now coming out and saying, well, if this is a tool that the RBA has – and it has worked in the past, but it doesn't seem to be working this time around, then we need to start looking at giving the RBA other tools yeah. to influence the economy or the government needs to step in and try and influence the economy, right? Because Jim Chalmers came out and said after the latest hike, he was like, oh, Australians would find it really difficult and really hard to understand, hard to cop that Philip Lowe is raising interest rates again. And Philip came out and said, well, look, the tool that the RBA uses to achieve this balance is interest rates. I acknowledge that the use of this tool comes with complications. Its effects are felt unevenly across the community with rising interest rates, causing significant financial pressure for some households. But this unevenness is not a reason to avoid using the tool that we have. So he's basically saying, this is the only thing I can do. You want me to try and do something, I'm trying to do something like this. But the argument is, well, it's maybe not actually doing anything anymore. And then I think it comes back on to the government to actually go, well, we need to accept some responsibility rather than just go like, oh, well, the RBA should just fix this or the economy should just sort itself out. There are things I feel like the government can do. And I'm going to go, you just mentioned armchair economists there. I'm just going to quickly jump in here with the thing that really confuses me about all of this. And I will just say, I mentioned there at the top that 
this stuff is so complicated and I feel like it can be deliberately complicated. I feel like economists like to make out like, oh, average peasants like us, we just don't understand how the economy works. We don't understand these basic principles. Then they'll throw in all the different acronyms and numbers and all this sort of stuff, right, that we just don't get and we just have to take their word for it even though they can't seem to actually offer up solutions to fix this thing that they know so much about. Anyway, I feel like it gets deliberately complicated, all this sort of stuff. And the one thing that we hear so much about is we need to get on top of inflation. We need to get on top of inflation. So we raise interest rates to take money out of the economy to curb inflation, right? Mm -hmm. But the things that are inflating are things like fuel, energy, groceries. Energy is increasing because basically large multinational companies are taking our energy sources and selling it off overseas to the highest bidder and maximising profits. We're just allowing them to move energy offshore and do that. Fuel is being driven by what's happening in Ukraine. Those are things that the government actually can control. They can step in and try and intervene in the market and bring the cost of those things down. We've heard so much about the energy trigger that the government can pull to ensure that energy prices stay low. The other thing that's going up is the price of houses which interest rates interest rates are going up and houses are rebounding and house prices are still going back up over the last couple of months. We're seeing a big resurgence in that, which again, that's something that is a result of basically, you know, decades of government failure and inaction and uh, doing anything to stop housing just being a way for people to make huge amounts of money rather than a human right. So these are things that are driving inflation which interest rates don't seem to be having any effect on. So we just continue to raise interest rates and jack interest rates up on something that is being inflated and not affected by interest rates. So that's where I go like, well, the government surely has to step in and start looking at policies rather than just blaming Philip for putting the interest rates up. Sure, maybe he should stop putting interest rates up, but it doesn't seem to be doing anything. And at some point, the government has to accept some responsibility rather than just blame him. That's why these things do actually end up speaking to each other. So basically interest fucks your house and inflation fucks your groceries and your bills. And the reason why we're talking about it now is because both of these things are rocketing, like you said, and they're trying to combat each other, but they're not. But the reason why these things are rocking, the reason why this is an issue for the government right now, some of it has to do with COVID, some of it has to do with Ukraine, like you said, some of it has to do, well, a lot of it has to do with our national debt and government spending in the past. But also a lot of it has to do with greed. So part of the reason why inflation is still skyrocketing up, even though we're changing interest rates and we're doing all these things, is because of corporate Profits And so The mm. Guardian reported last week that the cost of corporate profits have, have actually been outpacing inflation since the pandemic, meaning that corporations have been using the fear of inflation and the fear of rising interest rates to jack up prices for consumer goods. So this actually causes further inflation. And so that because we have lack of regulation around corporations doing this, that is why your groceries are so expensive. So, for example, a supermarket says it costs them more to buy a lettuce from a farmer, so they have to increase what they charge for a lettuce in the shop, but they increase it by like 80% more than what the farmer is charging them. And so they're Mm. actually increasing their profit. And this concept is sometimes referred to as price gouging, which you may have heard before, Woolworths and Coles have both been busted for this publicly. It was huge news stories like six months ago and nothing has happened 
No one has done anything that is actually legally grounded to stop price gouging from happening. And in other countries, there are laws that can stop that from happening. And the ACCC in Australia are meant to monitor it, but without support from the federal government, they can't actually do much to stop corporations from driving inflation. And so it's actually what we kind of call a manufactured inflation rather than true inflation. And unfortunately, it's us that foots the bill for Mm, all of that. that Yeah, Les, that is completely shocking to me that big corporations in Australia were allowed to completely rip off citizens and consumers, but the penalty was nothing for them. I can't believe that, you know, the government and the regulators didn't punish them at least with a slap on the wrist. Um, you know, Surely this can't happen. This has got to be, yeah, this has got to be like the that. first time in history that a corporation has not been punished for, you know, fucking over consumers and the citizens. Yeah. Also, I was born yesterday. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the thing is there are votes in doing something like that. Like if, mm. could you imagine if the government went, actually, no, Woolworths, no calls, you cannot do that and capped prices for basically like the kinds of things that we can't pay GST on. You know, they have rules around that. There are certain goods that don't have GST because they are considered goods that we have to buy, things like milk, bread, tampons, depending on who you ask. They could do that to to price gouging as well. They could include a mechanism and people would be bloody stoked, like the electorate. Yeah, yeah. how hard would that be to push? The The prices of your groceries are going down. Okay, cool. I will vote for that. Thank you. Yeah, and that's not even like a left thing or right wing thing to do. It's literally just like, oh, great, cheaper bread. Fuck yeah, thanks, mate. You know, like that's fucking easy to see as a vote, but they're so scared to do it because of the way that donations are tied up to parties. And yeah. anyway, the thing is, um, unfortunately, lads, I don't have any good news for you because things are going to get worse. <laughs> um, yeah. Because we're probably, not probably, we are 50 50 likely to enter a recession, which is, yeah. yeah, a scary like word. Odds. And it's a word I don't throw around lightly. But essentially, in Australia, a recession is technically defined by two consecutive quarters of negative growth in real GDP. And I'm sorry, GDP is a whole other concept and a whole other phrase. It's also measured by the Reserve Bank. So GDP is gross domestic product, and it is basically the total value of all goods and services produced within Australia. And that GDP goes down when people are scared to spend money. So when Mm -hmm. things like inflation and interest rates are high and people are tightening their belts, they're not going to spend money. And not just consumers, but businesses as well. Stop investing, stop expanding and growing. And so GDP drops. And that is what triggers technically a recession. When we have recessions, people lose jobs, businesses close, things are really bad. Australia hasn't had one since 1991 because we narrowly escaped having one in the GFC in 2008. And so for many of us, we actually haven't had one in our adult lives. And it's also like the generation of people who are feeling cost of living the most, yeah. who haven't had a recession before. And so don't have savings, have higher hex debts, like the compounding pressure could be quite significant in those areas. And so, yeah, back to what you were saying before, around what can the government do about this? Well, there are some things they can do and there are some things that 
they can't do, but they got to do something. Otherwise, mm. they probably won't win the next election if mm. they are the government. That doesn't trigger a recession, but doesn't manage a recession. Yeah. yeah, if interest rates continue to go up and we go into a recession, there is strong arguments to go like, well, everything went to shit when we gave the Labor Party control of the country. And rightly or wrongly, there'll be a lot of people who just go, yeah, everything did go to shit. Time to get rid of them. Mm, it'll be a lot harder for Labor to defend the allegations that they're not good economic managers if yeah. the only term in Parliament they've had in a decade ended in the first recession in about 30 years. So. Yeah. Yeah, and they can whine about them. all the tougher economic climates uh, that they were faced with, but at the end of the day, people aren't going to give a fuck. They're going to yeah. be like, everything yeah. went up and it's shit and I want something else to happen. Yeah, and what happened in 2008 back when Kevin Rudd was Prime Minister all of those years ago was that he did a few things that he claimed stopped the recession from happening. Malcolm Turnbull would argue otherwise. Um, so the, the parties don't have a unity on that front mm. around why we avoided that last recession. But things that the last Labor government did was, you know, cash handouts, rebates and things like that to kind of basically keep the economy going, to put money in people's wallets to go and spend yeah. that money. Malcolm Turnbull argues that most of that money actually went into savings and wasn't spent because people were so scared about a recession. So I don't think they're going to go down that path again because I don't think anyone actually knows if that worked or not. But, I mean, in Queensland, Anastasia Palaszczuk just announced a bunch of rebates for a bunch of things, but she has an election next year. So yeah. I think mm -hmm. she's kind of running her own race in that regard. She made fuckloads of money off coal and housing. Yeah, um, massive surplus in Queensland. Yeah. So nationally it is kind of different, but that's like what one Things are good. person Things is doing. Things are good up here. I mean, once again, we just look down on the southern states and we go, things are rolling up here. Times are good. All the backward southern states need to get their acts together. Mining. Mining will save us all. Yeah, I mean, I think you've done a great job of explaining all that, Les, but I still can't shake the fact that, I mean – like most Australians, I don't have an economics degree and I'm not a big numbers guy. And it still kind of seems to me that the economy itself, especially with stuff like interest rates, is still, I mean, the way you described it is a lot of it relies on the general vibe of the economy. Yeah. I just can't help feeling that the economy is some like godlike being mm. that a shadowy group of people all put hoods on and go into a room and <laughs> draw a pentagram on the floor to try appease and hope that it will turn their way. But- yeah, it does seem also is? that there are some pretty easy <laughs> solutions that we can make just yeah. to make things a little easier. I begin to feel like I, I get tinfoil hatty here. Like I start to feel like an economic skeptic, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I've, I justify it by saying, well, like, yeah, there isn't 99%, you know, peer research and peer validation in regards to um, scientific findings on this one. Like all sorts of people say different things. They argue about different things, about different theories. No one has a particular theory that just is guaranteed and works and unanimously appreciated. So, yeah, you feel a bit like, what the fuck is going on? There's all mm. this dark art stuff. Yeah. You know, they're telling uh. us, well, the only way to curb inflation is raising interest rates. But, you know, Qantas has bumper profits. Housing prices are going back up. So if interest rates are going up and taking money out of the economy, whose money are they taking out of the economy? They're taking the people who can't really afford to pay mortgages and buy groceries and buy those essential things that you mentioned. It's taking money out of their pockets 
whilst there are people who are you know who have more money there who have housing there that have made huge amounts of money out of that they're still spending plenty of money and inflation continues to rise ceo pay packets apparently went up 15% over the last little while so those kinds of wages are going up um, mm. we're not hearing too much about trying to curb ceo pay packets in a climate like this so yeah i'm i'm skeptical about it all yeah it does seem to kind of raise a question that i feel like no one especially not philip lowe or any of the politicians are really asking is that like who is the economy there to serve? As you said, is it there to serve the corporations who are like most of the time, the vast majority of the time, the winners out of the economy either doing well or doing badly? They somehow always seem to come out on top. But then the regular people, the average citizens of Australia, always seem to lose out when the economy is not doing well. And even when it is doing well, don't seem to win as big as the corporations do. So, yeah, who is this economy serving? Yeah. And if the government's serious about it, as we mentioned, housing, cost of fuel, energy, groceries, price gouging that you mentioned there, Les, those things are something that a government can actually do something about. So maybe stop talking shit about Phil and using him as a scapegoat and get on the front foot and do things to curb inflation and to bring the cost of living down. Yeah. I mean, the Labor Party's greatest fear is that if they spend money and all of their stuff, their debt will increase again. And yeah. then they'll be the bad economic managers. So it's like... <laughs> But which narrative, which narrative do you want to put out there? Are you a bad economic manager because you saved the everyday person but put the government back in a little bit of debt or are you the bad economic manager because you did nothing and everyone went into a lot of debt? So yeah. it's kind of like you got to pick you got <laughs> to pick. pick a Surely side. The doing no- the doing nothing can't be the way to go. Mm. Surely. We'll see. We shall see. Yeah. Anyway, it's probably time to move on from our particularly Dave and I's uh, armchair <laughs> economic analysis there. I was um, just getting comfy here. Yeah, I know. We're getting wound up. Wait till you got a couple <laughs> of schooners into us down the pub. We'll start spiralling. <laughs> there should be the pub defence where you can say all this shit, but it's just it's got to well, be in the pub and you have to be ready to just cop what comes your way. Yeah, it has to be after a minimum of three schooners yeah. as well. Anyway. It's been a fun episode. There's lots of good things happening in the world, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah, really, really positive stuff mm. to talk about yeah. this week. Um, so thanks very much for joining us and hopefully we'll have better news and better things to talk about a couple of weeks' time. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. <laughs>